In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Big Dude's Big and Tall Consignment Store. Welcome into episode XX of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. That's nice. I'm Chase. I'm Nick. That I I'll, okay. I like doing uh, the Roman numerals in like 10, 20, 30, 40. That's good. Well, in case you weren't ready to, of course, uh, we've only done ten and twenty. So with with a number, you know, a statement that matched the number, I had a couple of alternates. Oh, did you? Yeah, brought to you by the number of hours since we recorded episode nineteen, <laughs> uh, twenty. Wow. Or Man. brought to you by the number of people that have called out David this week for having a uh, southern drawly <laughs> redneck kind of accent. You also, roughly twenty. I like how everybody acts like I'm. Sitting over here in a wife beater, cut off blue jeans, sipping a beer, and the two of you guys are in an Armani suit with tea and your pinkies up. I mean, that is fairly accurate. You did drive the General Lee here tonight. <laughs> I heard you all. By the way, have y'all seen that commercial? Yeah. It's good. It's good that commercial. Is an there's all, a couple where of they them, go? Maybe. No, where they go in and get the new General oh, Lee? It's a good commercial. I love that show when I was a kid. Those guys have aged pretty well, you know. What's the uh, Yankee version what, of Plastic Surgery Hazard? What they have? Wow! I don't know, listeners. What is the Yankee version of Dukes of Hazard? Yeah, we didn't isolate anyone in the first thirty seconds of the show. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, my southern accent's going to be here all night. So, well, if you'd it. like to tell us how we offended you or um, further comment on David's southern draw, we would love to hear it mm-hmm. um, on Twitter at uh, My Gospel Friends. Um, Facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma is where we actually have a lot of discussion. So, typically, the um, Berating David happens on Twitter, and then the the profitable discussion on the Hall of Dogma. So um, kind of feel free to jump in either place. Um, if you want to call, we'd love to have voicemail from anyone. Um, voicemail you can leave 205-575. Most anyone. I mean... 205-575-9735. If you are international or long-distance rates will be prohibitive, um, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. You can leave us a voicemail there as well. Great. Uh, I also want to thank whoever uh, provided our intro music. Um, I don't know yet since it wasn't played live, but thank you, Jeff Hendricks, Sean Lombard, John Bon Jovi, whoever you are, thank wow. you. Um, but not have you ever, have you listened to any of the like? There's a couple Bon Jovi songs that I was listening to one day that I was just singing along to, and I got like halfway through them. I'm like, wow, the theology in this really falls apart. Uh-oh, it yeah. ruined a couple yeah. of songs for me. John Bon, not not a oh theologian. not at all, but just it, you know you sing. I love the, Bon Jovi. I do oh, too. Blaze of Glory should be our uh, intro song at least sometimes. Yeah, shot okay. through the heart. Mm. Both of those songs, by the way, feature the the singer dying. So maybe maybe not. I'm not ready to die yet. Hey, more wah, importantly wah, wah, than uh, a Bon Jovi, we really started on a high note tonight. Is a request to our new or old listeners. If you've been listening for a while, or if you're a brand new listener and you happen to like the show, first of all, God bless you and thank you. Second of all, how about going on over to iTunes and leaving us a nice, pleasant exhortation, uh, encouraging review, five star review, please. Like he said, nice and pleasant. Yes, five star. If Tell you hate the show. To be the show honest. 
then uh, just email us and tell us why, and yeah, stay, uh, don't let us let it leave a review. <laughs> stay away from iTunes, or if you've already given us a review, create a new ID and do it again. Yeah, or two or three. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be fine as long as they're five stars. Yeah, we support fraud here at the Gospel. The general oh, left us a Dang. four star. But he's a kind of a contrarian like that. I didn't think you were going to mention that on the air. Wow. What did he ding us the fifth star for? Oh, he just you – know, look, Emmanuel's got a uh, – you know, he's – he's uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, he's a good guy. Hard to please him. in terms of like – you know, if you're going to get a five-star out of Emmanuel, it's – I mean like – It's got to be great. Oh, yeah. Like Piper would get a five-star. The okay. fact that well, we got a four-star from the general is a big deal. Okay. Well, it's right. a big deal. Hey, the show's going to be exactly. awkward next time the general is on with us, David. Hey, should I be reverent he Southern verbiage? Oh, you know what? We need to come up with a Southern nickname for David. No. Verbiage does not very much uh, – the redneck pastor. Rev Volga. Like okay, nice. <laughs> Nick is Wait. infatuated with – Phyllis from the Paul Feinbaum show. Rev oh, it's, it, like it has nothing to do with infatuation. It has everything to do with utter shame. And, and we talk football too much, but there are people that make me want to hide my Alabama paraphernalia, and she is one of them. Oh, I, I agree with that. The general might rate five star for the one he was on. Maybe. He will never hear this because he's already skipped ahead. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. Hey, speaking of skip ahead, it's how about time. we swerve the vehicle right back on the highway real quick? And I want to ask you guys, what's on tap for tonight? What are the serious things we're going to be talking about? I like how you guys act like we're ever on the highway. We are at best two tires on the highway, two tires on the side of the road. Well, this is at a show best. in the deep south. Uh, we do have at least one redneck on the show. Going that back means to the- we're going to do off-roading in our general league. <laughs> I was about to say, it's very much like the Dukes of Hazzard. It sure is. We may be just up over the overpass. We are flattening the hills and straightening the curves. Uh, All right. Well, I am going to talk about a serious subject of marriage tonight. And Mm. we're going to just kind of do a pastoral advice for the marriage that is in trouble. So we'll talk about that tonight. That sounds good. Nicholas? Um, I actually wanted to talk um, – I, I had the article last week about um, 10 bad reasons to be a pastor, and then, and then Tony posted something, uh, um, the Hall of Dogma. It just made me want to kind of talk about bivocational um, versus vocational ministry for a little bit, just more of a chit-chat, less than an article. Sounds good, and I am going to be talking about friend of the show Tom Rayner's article, Eight Ways for – well, he follows us on Twitter – Eight Ways for Pastors to Affair-Proof Their Marriages. I'll give you a little preview. Number seven, don't record a podcast late at night on an off night for recording the podcast. Uh, so that's a way to affair-proof your marriage. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Okay. Because if you do... Chase, um, is there anything we need to talk about before we get too far into the show, bud? No do you, comment. Do you need to run home? Let's just, let's just go ahead and get to the end of the show. You know, kind of kind of quicker than normal. Okay, <laughs> maybe um, keep it under three hours. Tonight. All right, under three hours. Hey-o. Well, I'm going to help us out here. I love my wife. I noticed on the schedule tonight that I had the game. You're yeah, supposed yeah. to bring the game. You have some sort of weird twist to the game. I decided to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so nice. for the, just, shout out to Dan. Behind the curtain a little bit of the Gospel Friends, um, by God's grace, we're getting um, some some time away um, in different locales this coming up weekend so we're recording the show early yeah but because early. we're recording it, it, it ain't early at night well okay so on an earlier day than normal but because it's an off day it's very late at night and so we've all worked and you know kids in bed and all that so we're a little loopy er than normal so <laughs> well that would be God you, save us all. you and i but now 
you know. Hey, I'll have not, you know. Not, I, I was being look, Nightcrawler over here is going to be fine because I mean this is the top of his this game. This is this is uh, my hour. I, I did have to be I at work downtown be, early in the morning. Now, if we had to do the podcast around like I don't know noonish, it, it would not be good. <laughs> As long as I had my coffee, I'd be okay. He would still I really be asleep. Do. I do hesitate to text him before about lunch because I don't want to wake him up. Good for you. Hospital visits strong. for Chase at the Hall of Dogma Church are always interesting when he asks people if he can drop by about 1 a.m. That is slanderous accusation that is not even – okay, it's it's not a huge exaggeration. <laughs> it's falling apart on him quick. All right, any, anywho, we are going to uh, – tonight, guys, we've got uh, – we're going to combine the game – Along with the growing in popularity, what were you thinking? Global edition, which we're we're hearing a lot of good feedback from. I am literally seeing ones of tweets every day about <laughs> so, that. Segment. Awesome! So it we are funny. tonight. Uh, you two guys are going to compete in the first ever. What were you thinking around the globe trivia game? We we need some sort of music for that. Because um, that sounds kind of epic. I don't really have any. Uh, I got to hum something. Nick's dancing. Ooh. Okay. Hey, did y'all see uh, Carlton from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air do the Carlton dance? I, I heard about it and never saw it. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was all. I went and watched the video. And I don't watch Dancing with the Stars, but um, yeah, right. I really don't. You totally do. I, I don't. Okay. It's during my days of our lifetime. <laughs> oh, gosh, <laughs> kidding. That's probably okay. worse. Uh, who, who wants first dibs? I guess I'm gonna go with Chase. Nick's not paying attention. Nick. Because of the day I'm that we're doing this, sort of. Nick is actually Nick is actually working at yes, the same time. Funny. So he's got two. I laptop, love remote access. He's got two laptops out. They've yep. they've got some testing that he's having to do for work. So he's. I have two laptops, three cell phones, an iPad, a MiFi, and yeah, an iMillimeter. That's impressive. I'm gonna have to take a picture of this <laughs> really? to put on Twitter. So uh, he is. Uh, he's working at the Hall of Dogma Corporation. Yes, because we have right. a Hall of Dogma Church and a Hall of Dogma Corporation. So Chase, I'm going to give you video. the first. The first one we've got. Um, we've got seven. <laughs> so we got uh, seven trivia questions here. That's going to take us all <laughs> over the globe okay. and uh, kind of just uh, show us what kind of wacky world we're living in today. Chase, Dateline, Albany, New York. Wait a the, minute. Albany, New York is a place, not a date. Well done, doctor. Anywho. Samuel Lavelle was going to correct isn't you Isn't Dateline that. a, um, like a... Some sort of news show. Maybe right. they do say it that way. Dateline, Al- I'm doing it that way. Okay. Dateline, Albany, New York. The Non-Human Rights Project is currently arguing before the New York Supreme Court Appellate Division that Tommy should be declared a person rather than a thing so he can be freed from what critics call inhuman imprisonment. Is Tommy what? A, an alien, B, a dog, oh, C, a chimpanzee, or D, a member of the 90s boys band New Kids on the Block? Oh, my goodness. Um, Name is Tommy. Tommy. He used to work on the docks. Tommy, Tommy used to is a uh, – oh, that's not Tommy, is it? I thought it was Johnny. Anyway. Uh, you answer the question, Nick, you I'm Google that. I'm going to say Tommy is a dog. Tommy is actually a chimpanzee. Oh, geez, that was my no points guess. for you. A state appeals court will decide in coming weeks whether a chimpanzee is entitled to legal personhood Tommy in a engineer. case... Thank you. In a case that could lead to expanded rights for animals such as gorillas, elephants, dolphins, and more, according to the lawyer advocating for the 26-year-old chimp named Tommy. 
the lawyer and the non-human rights project argues that animals with human qualities, such as chimps, deserve basic rights, including, guys, freedom from imprisonment. Uh, animals such as chimpanzees, they say, should be able to seek personhood, um, which is defined as self-determination and autonomy. So currently wow. in New York, there is a group suing to allow chimpanzees and other human-like animals to be set free and be able to live as self-determining, autonomous people. That's very interesting. I, I think there's a significant barrier between humans and animals. Chase is being very diplomatic. Okay, so I was expecting so a lot more. When we when we talk about them being able to live self-determining and autonomous lives, I mean, do we like? Are we going to Starbucks and in front of us will be a chimpanzee ordering a latte? I hope not, because chimpanzees are very strong. They could like pick, pick up eight hundred pounds, so like Captain America level strong. I mean, could we be uh, like? <laughs> I, for one, welcome our new chimpanzee overlords with um, You're going Planet humility. You know where Maybe. they'll all hang Happened out? before. Walmart after midnight <laughs> with all the other people who just <laughs> were given <laughs> human rights. <laughs> Have you ever been to Walmart past midnight, Chase? Many, many, many times. I'm sorry, Walmarts. Have you ever been to Walmarts after midnight? Yes, oh, I no. have, Bubba. I've been to Walmarts. Have you ever thought some of these people should be in a cage? I don't know what to comment here because I'm afraid of being arrested. Um, oh, could they take their family to Disney World? I mean, could there be a day we're driving down the road, look over, and there's a minivan, an odyssey full of chimps heading to Disney? That would be something. Well, if the non-human rights project has their way, that's what will happen. Well, you know what? I'm rooting for all chimpanzees go to heaven? After after you said that, I'm rooting for the non-human rights project to win because I want to see a family of chimps in, in Disney World. Do you think I've angered the After Midnight Walmart people? I think you really have probably <laughs> angered a lot of people with that. I've Wait, been, what are we talking about? I've, nothing. Go back to work. I've, okay. been, to, uh, I've been to Walmart After Midnight. Over. And I'm, you're there sometimes. I'm often there. And you're always best in your best shop. clothes. Nick. Uh, what up, dude? Chase is oh, uh, no points. So yes. question number two to you. I Dateline the world. Fresh from the online uproar over whether the shiny new iPhone 6 bends when carried around in pockets. Which Apple, I still don't have. Apple has, been hit, gate. Apple has been hit with a new complaint. Is it A, that the iPhone 6 causes numerous Android phones to jump out of windows committing phone suicide? B, <laughs> strong signals emitting from the phones are giving people migraines. C, the huge screen size allows would-be thieves to steal sensitive information. Or D, the handset traps users' hair or beards when they make calls. Oh, my. I hope it's not that one because I, I have hair and or a beard. Um... I actually haven't heard any any of that press, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with either B or C, but I'm just gonna default to C. C. The huge screen size allows would be thieves still sensitive information is actually incorrect. Um, on Twitter, users have been making uh, a new hashtag hashtag Hairgate. Are you serious? Is a rising social media trend, uh, leading major news outlets to pounce on the story. Apparently, have they followed are, up with hashtag First World Problems? <laughs> I mean, apparently, people are saying the seam on the iPhone six where the aluminum meets the glass is catching their hair and pulling it out. Oh no, that hurts. <laughs> Look, for those of you that are beardless and or female, other than the lady we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
You don't want your beard pulled out by anything. You just ruined my joke. I was going to talk about the uh, 77 year old woman in Kazakhstan who's. I'm sorry. Whose eight inch beard was uh, uh, a victim of the iPhone and now she's uh, got a divorce. <laughs> because, as you recall, it was her beard that was the secret to her marriage. I like your joke better. Uh, well, guys, uh, two questions in, and you are uh, both. We are tearing it up. it up at around the world. I had seen an article about people stealing other people's pin numbers, and so I thought that might. Uh, I understand. Anyway. Chase, question three. Dateline iPhone. Since you're talking, it's a very small iPhone. How do you see on that thing? <laughs> Dateline, Italy. I still may be doing that wrong, but I'm going to do it the whole. I'm all in now. Italy. Chase. Yes. Beer lovers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which you know we are after our after show our on show, beer. Beer lovers are rejoicing over the latest Clinks Italian invention that allows you to enjoy your favorite beverage. beverage <laughs> Easy for you to say. In a brand With new the way. With international livers, even. Is it A, beer ice cream? B, yes, please. peanut beer and jelly? C, Beer breakfast spread or D beer flavored gummy treats. Oh, where 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 are we? Italy, Italy, We're in Italy. Do we have any Italian Damn. listeners? Jess? We do. Yes. Awesome. Uh, By the way, you I told wish me I could tonight, phone one of them. You told me tonight that the uh, Canadians have overtaken the British in, Isn't our, that wild? in our yeah. listenership. So that's right. You UK guys behind the eight ball, pick it up, pick it up. Canada is winning, and you know we can't have that. Uh, I'm gonna say. I've forgotten the choices, so I'm going to say D, which I think had something to do with gummy something or another. It did, and uh, you are incorrect. Golly! The Italians have invented the beer breakfast spread called Bira Spamabilla. That sounds utterly disgusting. A genius Italian invention that allows you to enjoy your favorite beverage early in the day. Uh, Now no one can indulge you for indulging in this delectable beer-based breakfast spread. Put Put it on your toast, creeps. I know a few creeps that I I would like to hit with some beer-based breakfast spread. I guess that would actually be crepes. Yeah, but creeps is cool, too. It's spelled creeps. Yes, it is. I like to to say things the way they're spelled, which is why I say... Hooked on phonics work for David. Which is why I say monks. Except monks and creeps. M-O-N-K-S. That's a pretty good name for the show, So apparently, guys, this uh, spread... Uh, this spread comes in uh, two flavors, one um, uh, light and one rather intense. You can purchase it for $51 for a 280-gram jar. 280 grams? That's not a lot. Uh, and uh, it I'm is moving great to Italy because um, obviously everybody there is freaking rich. <laughs> so, uh, and, and it goes great with cheese and uh, tarts. So, beer spread. So if you were a – if you were got to be wrong. That must be lira or something because 281 okay. grams is 9.9 ounces. Okay, look. Just it, doing the math in my head. You just Google. You just Shut up. typed it. Maybe it's I Italian mean, dollars. What's Italian dollars? I think it's lira. Um, it's got a dollar sign next to it, so I assumed it was English. Do they use something different over there? Yes, they use the lira. <laughs> Oh. Or you know what they might they actually they use the well, euro now and euros are worth more than dollars so that would be very expensive still. Wow! That's if you like are a if you're a, a t- little over half a pound if you're a teetotaler, which we love you we do and we've talked about this already but could you do a beer spread would that be okay? Well, I would imagine it wouldn't have the alcohol in it. Well, it's for, it's forty one percent alcohol based and then 
That's amazing. But we I mean, try I, it probably that. cooked out the alcohol, so you probably well, you couldn't get drunk on your pop tart or That's, your or your creeps. It's quite a quite a story there, Dave. Che, uh, Nick, to you. What up? Question number four: Dateline, New Hampshire. Prosecutors allege right, Melanie Nash conspired with others to remove her father's remains oh, no. from the Colebrook Village Cemetery in May. Oh no! The vault of her father Eddie, who died in nope. two thousand and four. I don't think I like where this question is nope. going. Was found cracked with the casket open, and his remains had been searched through. Was his daughter Melanie looking for A, his wallet, B, his car keys, C, his real will, or D, his box of honeycomb with twisted marshmallows? <laughs> wow. Trigger warning. Real will, I don't know which trigger, keys, but a lot of them. Wallet. Or wallet. Or box of or cereal with twisted marshmallows. Oh, yeah. It's got to be the cereal. I've been trying to find um, that cereal Guys, lately. she dug it's up her dad everywhere. who had been dead for 10 years. Well, don't look at us like that because you're not being serious about it. I'm just telling See, you. See, the now. logic would say it's the will, but this story's just too bizarre to be any – let's go with wallet. Actually, um, your instincts were correct. Was it the will? She was looking for ah. his real will. I, I thought uh, you were trying to pull a chase and juke me. Nash told police she did not receive anything when her father died and had been thinking of digging up the grave for years to prove her sister, Susie, had hid the will. Holy. Where was this again? <laughs> In New Hampshire. Or wow. Calhoun County. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So she, her dad's been dead for 10 years. Yeah. And she thought that he had a... A real will, and I guess that he had taken it with him. So Guys. did all the money go to the sister and yeah, not her? Wow. she didn't get anything. In the words of Elsa, let it go. Let it go. Uh, let Nick it go. got nothing. Chase, I'll give you a point since y'all either have anything. If you can guess what was uh, the only thing she found in the casket other than her dad's remains um, that was um, in her father's hand. <laughs> Please tell hand. me it was the cereal. She found something in his hand. Oh. Thing they found. Oh. Sanctification. A ring. No, a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Smoke so if you got them. Smoking in the... <laughs> smoking. I don't Were there know. also claw marks on the roof of the coffin? <laughs> wow. God bless. <laughs> the Gospel uh, Friends After Dark. Chase, Dateline Australia. I got a scary story to tell about An Australian that, Pizza Hut. Shout out to Dan. Came under serious Does Dan criticism. Work at pizza Hut? <laughs> okay. It was more the Australian thing. Oh, my bad. Australian Pizza Hut came under serious criticism earlier this month for a truly thoughtless promotional campaign that offered free blanks to customers making bulk purchases. <laughs> Okay. I, I could give you choices, or you could just fill in the blank, Chase. Kangaroo toes. At 11 o'clock at night. Is it A, marijuana, B, pets, C, free movie rentals, or D, Japanese hug chairs? <laughs> what is the quotes around movie? You were gesticulating when you said movie rentals. What, I was that? not. <laughs> yes, you were. I don't know what that means. Oh, it my. does not sound good. That's what you were doing. You were Okay, I was doing air quotes. Yes, movie but rentals. wild air quotes. What sort of movie? What does uh, the air quotes mean? I'm just doing. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with that one, the, the movie rentals. No, I just did that to throw you off. Actually, it was pets. I'm going to stab you the in the eye. The store located in the suburb of Let's Mount. Let's see how you finish the show with one eye. Mount Waverly in south southeast of Melbourne. don't know how far that is from, from uh, Baptist Caretaker Man. Had a sign in its window to advertise, buy any 10 large pizzas and get one free small animal from the store. <laughs> A live animal? Yeah, it showed a picture. Why? It Why? showed a picture of Why? a guinea pig. What the? 
What nice. the crap is wrong with people? Uh, Pizza Hut apparently, by the way, does not like you doing rogue promotions with their name on it. And this store got in trouble for the I thoughtless way they were giving away animals like toys. Do y'all but, know my son gets so excited over little plastic things from McDonald's. If they uh, handed us a live rat <laughs> out the window with the 10 pizzas, he would be so stoked. You could get pizza at McDonald's. Well, wherever I, you know, okay. we went. I'm just saying he would be like, "Dad, can we go? Do you want to? You know, can we go get a Happy Meal?" And be like, "No, son, we'll go to Pizza Hut. Do they have toys there? No, they have." I see. He's all right, kids. This toys. week, do we want a rat? Do we want a hamster? Do we want a Chihuahua? Hey, real quick, real quick I have a question. Why did you do air quotes around movie rentals? I was just trying to throw you off, like it was a maybe a. I'm going to remember that for maybe the next you, game. Maybe I have. you would think it was some kind remember of movie that, that I couldn't talk about. That. Air quotes. Okay. All right, number six, two more of these. Uh, both of you guys are uh, at zero, not doing too well. Nick, Dateline UK. Thanks for positive thinking there. If Sorry. every student fails, Listen. blame the professor, not the students. Well, we, I wanna, we're going to zone in on this one because uh, I'd like to hear from Chris Studdard and some of our other name. UK friends. Uh, a growing trend in Britain, British celebrity hairstylist Daniel oh, Johnson no has been wielding his clippers to create skylines and iconic landmarks on A, sheep, B, stray dogs, C, women's heads, or D, men's chest hair. Oh, please let it be men's chest hair. Nick gets a point. First point of the game. Jeez, oh, I'm going to lose to that. While some it men- was sheep before you said <laughs> Right, th- there's even a word for this, guys. While some men like to leave their busy... I'm so sorry. So with you, between your chest busy. and back, it could be full mosaic. Wow. It's not busy chest hair. It's bushy chest hair. While some men like to leave their... <laughs> Look, whatever. I just threw up a little bit bushy. in my mouth. Whatever, whatever vocal ailment I had a few weeks ago, you have inherited, and yes. I'm so excited. Others prefer to stay groomed with a trim or a wax, and then there are a few fuzzy fellas who like putting an artistic spin on body hair. Helping the trend grow is this celebrity hairstylist, Daniel Johnson, uh, who has been creating skylines and iconic landmarks on the chest of hairy Brits. Guys, I have a picture for us. Nope. Nick, you could look like this. <laughs> it looks like a bra. Um, or Chase. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> now, We've got to tweet that out. There is, no, um, no, we don't. Maybe you're right. Uh, there's, there's actually. So has Mrs. Furbage requested this? Is that what? Is that uh, what no, brought it Allison up? has not heard anything about this yet. But uh, no, guys, she will. He calls the art manscaping. Mm. <laughs> I've I've heard of manscaping before. Please don't Urban Dictionary that. But that is not what it had to do with. Well, that's what he calls mm. it. Uh, a thousand Brits conceded that they spend a lot of time grooming their body hair, according to a poll conducted by uh, the grooming brand Braun. The study also revealed that 62% of British men aged between 25 and 45 now try manscaping. Wow. You know what's crazy? <laughs> this is a Christian podcast where we talk about deep theological things sometimes and also stuff Thank like you that. For saying sometimes. That's insane. Uh, well, I, look, I just, I, as I said last week, I'm just reporting the news. I understand. I'm just saying this is a unique podcast. So, Chase, let me ask you a question. Shoot. Do I get a point if I get if it right? If you had been spending some time in a Japanese hug chair. Yes. And your bearded wife showed up. Yes. With a pair of clippers. To trim my chest hair. Yeah. Into a, a work of art. Would you, I would, would think, you go for that? 
I need to stop taking whatever medicine it is I'm taking because my dreams have gone out of control. Chase, uh, this is just going to be really quick. Just he to, did say dreams for the record, not he did. Anyway. Yeah, just to see if you could tie up because Nick's wanted otherwise. Portland, Oregon to yes. end tonight. Okay. If you purchase caffeine-induced blank because of promises that it will make you thinner, federal regulators say you were hoodwinked and you should get your money back. Underwear. It is underwear. Uh, yeah. We're going to end in a tie because I only had seven questions. No, no, no. I get two points because I got it without the multiple choice. Ca- caffeine-induced shapewear is the latest weight loss brew concocted by marketers. Chase, how are those working out? Yeah. Look, man. You want to see my abs? <laughs> I don't actually think, Chase, that it helps your abs. <laughs> well, it's oh dear. <laughs> it's uh, I can never run see what I just saw. You want to put your money where your mouth is? It's caffeine induced underwear. Oh my bad. Um, I've been using it wrong this whole time. But I tell you what, it keeps me awake during those long nights. Chase is wearing them uh, high and tight. So uh, bike shorts, tights, and leggings made of a fabric called We can never lightest. record this late again. Uh, yeah. They sell between 49 and $79. And uh, they claim as expensive as the beer spread. They claim they could take two inches off your hips without any effort. No diets or pills, just caffeine-induced underwear. Guys, people will buy anything. anything. So... Uh, that's it. We can get to some serious stuff, I guess. You guys are going to end in a tie tonight, uh, which we've never had before. But uh, Wait a minute. How do we determine whose story goes first, then? Uh, I guess you get to pick. I Actually, I'm gonna get, I'll, get, I'll give you a point and a half since you got it without any multiple oh, choice, baby. so you win. In your face. Well, you can always just say that you are distracted by doing your jobs. Too bad that um, we're not video casting and y'all could see the, the look Nuke's giving me. It is a look of anger. I will just narrate it that way. Anyway, Chase, head on. Into okay. The, um, so, as I said earlier, friend of the show, uh, Tom Rayner, who is uh, a bigwig with the Southern Baptists uh, and follows us on Twitter and will follow you, too, if you follow him. First. As far as we know, not a fan of caffeine-induced underwear. Not, as far as we know, that is correct. We can tweet him that and ask him, but uh, that might be wildly inappropriate. Uh-huh. Unlike the um, apparently the caffeine I started drinking an hour and a half ago finally kicked in. Kicking in. So I'm sorry You're for ready whatever happens next. Okay. Okay. So this is the part of the show where we get serious, right? Did we skip anything? I guess we combined the game with the. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a. Yeah, it was. It was a more streamlined opening tonight. And we so, don't do anything else, do we? I think we're okay, Chase. You can you can move ahead. Okay. Just uh, put your beer spread on your creeps and let's go. Okay, that's great. Look out, creeps! Here I come. Um, all right, let me. Uh, this is this is the part of the show where we uh, grindingly uh, shift into uh, something serious from something not so serious. Nick and I'll be with you in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> you just go ahead and get started. I think somebody just spit uh, Diet Dr Pepper out on his windshield again. Um, I can't wait to throw him under the bus. That's not. That's a very unchristian like sentiment there. If I had known and, him any less time in my life, I would feel unchristian about it. At this point, it's just brotherly love. Okay, so Tom Rayner this week uh, comes.
comes out with a post that I think is very interesting and good for us to talk about. Eight ways for pastors to fair-proof their marriages. Uh, guys, we've all been involved in church for a long time, all been in ministry for a long time. I've been in ministry for 20-something years, and um, I have known an awful lot of pastors. I don't know if it's an unusually high number, uh, but an awful lot of pastors who have had affairs, who have had uh, sexual issues in their personal life that have um, uh, become public. And, you know, for a, a normal person, I, I'd actually love to know the percentage of men who have affairs, but for a normal person in a normal way, this is something that is devastating to their family. For a pastor, it is something that is devastating to their family and their extended church family mm. in a way that it is very difficult to understate. This is just an, a horrific type thing. And yet... A very high percentage of pastors, surprisingly, shockingly high, do have affairs. Um, and and Rayner talks about this this issue. And after uh, talking with several men who were in ministry that were married for many years, he has eight suggestions that will help affair-proof your marriage. Now, obviously, that sounds a little cliche, but I think what he's saying is you practice these eight things, and it will uh, lead your marriage to a healthier place. Um, I'm going to throw them out there, guys, and you comment as you feel led. Number one, put your family as the highest priority of your ministry. Don't create a dichotomy between family and church. View your family as the church members with the highest priority for your ministry. Uh, you know, I like how you put that. Uh, I, I think typically the the saying for pastors is that your family is is always first. Um, I will say that I'm not sure that I would across the board say that's always the an accurate statement. Um, it is maybe somebody finds that controversial. Maybe people would would hear what I'm saying. But I think there are times where, as you are pastoring, leading, shepherding, eldering a fellowship, I think there may be times where. Um, sacrifices are made, have to be made because of something that God is pointing to. But I like the way he puts that because um, seeing your family as a part of that fellowship and and giving them priority, um, not separating them out from the church in general, I like that idea. One thing that I have always kind of strived to do is um, involve my family my children in as many ministry activities as I can. So, for example, as a pastor, you go to do a visitation, perhaps at a, at a hospital or someone's home, um, and you know your your child is of that age where you could take them with you. I think that is appropriate. I think that would be a good thing to do. I actually have a friend of mine who talks about how her grandfather did that when she was a kid. It had a huge impact on her becoming a Christian, remembering all the times her grandfather would take her with him to go stand over someone's bed and pray for them. So I think I think pastors should look for ways to involve their children and their family in ministry as they're doing it and see it, see it more as, I, well, I understand that individual's pastoring the church, but still involve them more in ministry of the church, pastoring the church, not always separated out. I like that. Nick? Um, I was trying to pull up the specific article text and the all of talking with church's internet fail me for a minute, but um, – I, Thank I, you, I AT and T. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I absolutely agree um, with what what David is saying. Is when it's appropriate, and you have 
you have that ability to involve um, your your children, your family. That that's great. You, I'm blessed that a lot of the ministry opportunities I have, my wife and I are able to um, do together. Um, you know, in the role we fu- we function here and and um, ministries were available outside. So I, I, I definitely agree with that. But um, I do think of that kind of um, the the qualifications, elders and deacons, both that. Um, managing a household well, and in that, um, there just seems to be that idea that if you can't, if that's not in order, you have no business, you know, doing that. And so, um, I don't. I'm down. Okay. You know, J- Jesus in Mark ten twenty nine said this: Truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time and age to come? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're right, David. I think there is, you know, all of us, I mean, literally all of us, like all three of us, walk this tension frequently between ministry and family. And I think uh, that you can fall off the the edge of the knife either way. Uh, but I, I would say, I would say this: I think that the temptation for a pastor is to leave his family for people-pleasing, yeah. um, and that's a danger. To do people-pleasing type church ministry activities, that is a danger and a temptation and to be avoided. There will be time, however, where you will be doing the work of the kingdom um, and, and the work of Jesus, uh, leaving house and home, wives and, and sisters and brothers and mothers for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. And that's appropriate, and it's a sacrifice. People-pleasing versus the gospel work, that's a good distinction, because I, I think too many churches expect <laughs> hand-holding Perhaps so, yes. from their pastors and not ministry. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that, you know, it, it too... It, look, the church... Uh, is precious to Christ. That Christ died for His church and His people. Uh, you go read Paul's exhortation to the elders of Ephesus when he was leaving them um, for what he expected would be the last time in, in Acts, um, recorded in the Book of Acts. And, and you just you hear him talking about how you know watch over. He tells the elders watch over the flock of God purchased the blood of Christ and just talks about how precious the church is and and uh, he tells to to watch out among themselves watch out for wolves even wolves in the congregation so there is a serious role that the shepherds the elders have been given by Christ over his church and uh, I, I think that's what we should have a focus on um, not people pleasing but there may be times where we are having to oversee his church, and there's a need to for sacrifices to come. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's a way to do that, and you know, involve your family, and at the same time, that, that I think that should not be the the norm. In other words, that you have to make those sacrifices uh, it, all the time to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'll give another distinction. Uh, you you don't. Uh, you don't throw your family under the bus to uh, people please, and I don't think you do it to build up your own ministry. Um, you, you do it for Jesus from time to time, but remembering, uh, I do think as a pastor, I'm still primarily a husband and a dad. 
Um, and, and that there's a sense that, that pastoring comes after that, but then there's a sense that Jesus calls us to sacrifice. Okay, let's do number two. We won't do all eight of these, but maybe a couple of more. Uh, Rainer says the second way to um, affair proof your marriage is to pray with your wife. You pray with your church, uh, with and for church members every day. Make certain you take time to pray with your spouse daily. Guys, I'll be the first to admit that I completely agree with Rainer here, but I fall down on this in practice far too much. That, that um, was going to be my say. Yeah, absolutely. That probably, that may have should have been number one, but you know, I wonder how many of us consistently do it. That would be my, it's my conviction and concern. Yeah, I remember having a uh, no a gentleman that passed away um, that I was uh, serving in the ministry with one time, and uh, I remember his wife months later after he he had died in a car wreck. I remember her speaking to our ministry group, and I remember her saying that of all the things that she missed about her husband, uh, of it was not having anyone to pray over her in the mornings that she missed the most oh, because wow. before he left for work every day he would pray over her. And um, that's always stuck with me. I'm like you guys. I'm in the same boat. Uh, that's important. My wife usually listens to these podcasts. Uh, I apologize to her for not doing that more and praying with her more because that is something that I've always aimed to do but um, often struggle with doing. But I would agree with him. Yeah. Well, may the Lord lead us to a deeper fidelity to our wives in that area because I think we need that. Uh, number three is pray for your wife. Uh, I, I won't, you know, I think that's under the same same boat. I do pray for my wife much more often than I pray with my wife. Number four, date your wife, says Rainer. Make every effort to have a date once a week. What do you think about this, guys? Can I, can I jump back for just half a second? Absolutely. Why do you think it's... Half. Well, thank you, David. Um, ye of the... Reverend Literal... Um, <laughs> you have the quick word, nice jab. Um, but but why do you why do we find it easier to to make to take time to pray for people rather than with them? You know, in general, I think it's a great question. In general, as I've talked to people before about you know why do we not pray with our wives more things like that. You know, usually for some people it falls into the category of I don't pray out loud a lot. You know, I mm-hmm. wouldn't know what to pray. It seems awkward. Those kinds of things. Um, I think for us, you know, I, I don't have an issue praying out loud. It For us, it really comes down to the schedule. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I get home from work, we take care of the kids. We cook dinner. We, you know, quite honestly, sometimes we'll watch a show together mm-hmm. or we'll talk about our day or whatever. And then it's – we're both sleeping. It's time to go to bed. And just, you know, for some reason, I think it seems like it's difficult. Yeah. It's really not but I think it just seems like it is. I think that's for us. It's more busyness and making the time. And I can pray for my wife because I have a longer commute in the morning mm-hmm. or I have time at work. And so I can pray during that time a little bit easier. Yep. That, that's that's for me. It's that's more the of a logistical issue. That's the logistical issue for us as well. But it just – especially someone we're around as frequently as our, as our spouses and our children, um, it, it is a – it. It is a conviction to me. I'm not trying to to lay this on anyone else, but it's just a. I don't have an excuse. Excuse. I think him saying a prayer, uh, a fair proof your marriage over this. uh, I guess the idea being that you know if you're genuinely praying for your spouse and you're praying over your wife, um, and praying good for her and good things for her, being a spiritual leader, hopefully you've got your eyes open, your ears open um, to. 
you know, spiritual things and, and what would come against your marriage and your family. And, well, uh, and I know as I start, when I'm when it's me praying for, for Lisa individually, not together necessarily, but I do start to my, – my compassion for her sometimes and her daily schedule and things like that as I'm praying for grace for that, I start to really go, golly, what can I do for her too? So anyway um, – other the, the last one. Sorry, Chase, we stole your article. I was going to date 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 your wife. I agree with um, m- many people. Maybe like me, you're in that boat of um, that's difficult um, when you have younger kids. We have mm-hmm. five, all under the age of twelve. One thing that 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 I've started doing, or I've been doing now for well over a year, my wife and I have a one night a week that is picked out. On that night, um, she uh, fixes something easy for the kids. Um, and they all go to our den where they have a movie night with popcorn, food, those kinds of things. Um, and I bring home some type of takeout that is just for me and my wife. And we are in another room where we, uh, talk, eat together, um, watch a movie, watch a show, whatever. And, and the kids, it took a little training, but they know what quote unquote date night means. And so, um, that's how we do it in a in a home where we really couldn't get a babysitter once a week. We just have a night we set aside that we've kind of got it in our family. That's mom and dad's date night, so they're going to be doing, you know, they're going to be kind of off by themselves for the night, and it, you know, it works out fine. And to, it's been a good thing. To push back not on you but on our gender because I know sometimes, especially busy guys, um, although we would we would church it up better, we get we try to go with the. Uh, get us by mentality. Yeah. So um, that's, I, I know you, so I'm, I, I'm cheating, but that's not the only dates. That's not the only dating you do with your wife. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, no, it, it's not. Uh, although we're in a season right now where with an adopted child, we can't, we, we have to have been careful about leaving him alone Absolutely. a lot. And, and quite honestly, you know, when you have five and you're getting babysitter for five, it's uh it's not something you can afford to do on, on a regular, but but no, we do other we do other things or other actual going out dates, just her and I. But this that's what we do in this season. I don't. I think men should be careful of making it an excuse that you know date dating their wife or going on date nights with their wives, whatever that looks like. You know, has to be a once every two month thing. Um, She's looking, you know, quality time between you and her. Mm-hmm. There's a way to work that out and make that happen in your home. A young couple in our church um, who, who's engaged, I, I saw one of one of the other post uh, 20 unique date ideas. And I didn't even read the article, but I just kind of, the old curmudgeon guy in me rolled my eyes and went, yeah, that's easy for, <laughs> you know, in, engaged people. But it did make me go, hold on, Sparky. You know, you don't have to spend $200 and have a six hour time slot, but you know, don't just, I, I don't want guys to just cop out on it. Yeah. No, you Here's can be mind. creative. There's a way you can make it work. Usually involves just some sacrifice in your schedule. And how does it work for you guys? Jess? Yeah, this is, this is probably another area where I'm not, uh, I'm not great at. We have five kids, uh, difficulties finding babysitter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, McConnell, I think you've got it figured out, uh, pretty well having the date night at home thing. That we we try that and <clears throat> maybe it's just that we have not worked our way through the interruptions um, from from the kids or we have not trained them well enough to not interrupt quite as much. Uh, but our eldest daughter is getting to the age where she can babysit a little more and 
Um, I'm convicted in this area. I am uh, convicted. Uh, I'm convicted in you know in the prayer area as well. So this is an eye-opening article for me. It took some time to work through with the training. Yeah. And, and we do rely on our two older girls uh, who are 12 and 10. We rely on them more to help that night. And, mm. and, and it took a little time, but they know. And, and we try to make it fun for them. That's why maybe they have pizza that night or, like I said, we give them a Netflix. I mean, we yeah. try to make it something where they can also look forward to it. Mm. Uh, you know, And so it's um, – you know, it's, it's turned out to be a good thing for us, but we arrange. I think, I, I think the key there is making a way to spend quality time together. Yeah, we arrange it so you know our time is abbreviated because of it. Um, but but we'll block out a night where we just put the phones up after the kids go to bed, and so that's yeah maybe a modification that. And your kids go to bed a little bit earlier. They than, do. They than, do. Um, than the uh, Thompson and the McConnell kids. Are well, a bit more I, but I was more. <laughs> I guess my my unction there I, was more maybe. On that night, yeah. you know, playing it a little bit differently. Yeah. But all right, number five, don't have unreasonable expectations of oh. your wife at church. She probably has a full time ministry taking care of the family while you are taking care of the church. Let her do what she desires to do in the church and expect nothing more. Now, I would add a couple of things to this. I would say, let her do what she desires to do and what she's gifted to do at the church. Uh, very often. The pastor's wife is assumed to be uh, either the pianist, which is funny because my wife actually does play the piano. I was just about to um, say. But she loves it. She, it's not a matter of, uh, of being forced to. Or she leads the women's ministry or she has all these roles in the church. She's the chief cook and bottle washer. I think that's dangerous <laughs> when you um, have expectations uh, as a pastor of your wife to fulfill all of those many roles and be a mom and do all of the other things. What do you guys think? Um, yes, I, you know it, it's. <laughs> I've seen that. I mean, I think in in the Hall of Dogma Church, that's probably. I don't know that um, that's so much an issue here with quote unquote expectations of a pastor's wife, but uh, certainly I think you should shield your wife as a pastor or minister from um, those kinds of things and and from those expect. Have you guys seen the? Um, I'm about to probably be made fun of, but have you guys seen the Girls Not Out? Uh, I think it's called Girls. The movie Mom's yeah. Not Mom's Out. Mom's Not Out. Yep. Have y'all seen that? I have not. Okay, my wife kept wanting me to watch it with her. Just you know, she just kept saying it's really funny. The kids had been wanting to see it, so we we all sat down a Friday or two ago and took a break from watching God's Not Dead, and and we <laughs> actually watched it. It was filmed here in Birmingham. It it was really funny. It <laughs> was a well. It was a funny movie, I thought, but it has a character caricature in there of a pastor's wife, and it's the way they do it, and it progresses throughout the show, uh, throughout the movie, is really funny. Yes, it it's is. It's really well done. I, I forgot about that. That is, I, I, one of the pastors we sat under for a while. Um, his his wife made no qualms about saying, "Hey, um, you were called to pastoral ministry, not me." And and she made no bones about it. Now she served the church. She served it graciously. She did everything you would expect of a woman of God. But she, you know, her priority was her family, um, and and that meant some care for her husband as a as a pastor. But you know that, um, and I and, and I, I have a little bit of a pushback on this that I'll get to in a second. But um, you know, she was gracious and all those things. But she just did not feel like her life was an open book for the church. Um, and I and I actually um, 
I didn't have a huge huge problem with that because of the humility with which she did it. Um, but but there, I, I know his family had been a ministry family. I don't remember about hers, but you know um, they just kind of they had a, a thing they worked out early on, and it worked for them. Um, again, there's a I, I believe a sinful, a selfish way to do that, and I believe there's a yeah. I, I go back. You can do that. I, I think that some of that goes back to the way we talked about this last week, but the way that we do. That pastors and their families, but pastors get set up on a pedestal. We overemphasize leadership yep. a little bit, and 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 I think that has created some of the issues. I probably would push back some on that statement, well, even though I understand the heart of where she was coming from. I think with the oneness of a couple, the 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 that bonding, I think it's very. I get what they're saying, and I wouldn't. You know, I see some of these churches that, you know. Well, I think they, hers they was do. the assumption that she was going to be the women's mi- leader, yeah. lead the women's ministry because she was like, "No, that's not necessary." And, and I understand that. Yeah. And like I said, I, 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 you know, I've seen churches that put pastors and put the couple's name, you know, and I'm oh not, yeah, yeah. But I think that's the uh, kind of the other side of that issue. Yeah, it's too kind of far. The, it's, that goes too far. But I, I think you know, I think if someone tried to say, "Well, my husband's called to ministry," I'm not. Uh, probably yeah, it's probably not going to work. You know. <laughs> Here's my pushback on, on this from the article, though. How does this insulate a husband from having an affair? Which part? The what this this point of the article? Because this seems more like it more seems like pressure. This is removing pressure on the wife rather than insulating the husband well, from the husband. The wife could also have an affair. Well, so. this this sounded like it was talking about the. This sounded like it was. No, I think, that's, I, I think that's so. I think it's uh, a fair proof. Uh, the marriage, the marriage. Is, okay, yeah, so it's yeah. not just okay. Not just I thought it was honing on the guy. So never mind. Hey, look, you've you've had pastors' wives who oh, had the affair because of um, you know feeling neglected. Mm-hmm. Feeling, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so um, I, I think he's just trying to talk about essentially, and I, and I think actually you could take any of those things, not even a pastor, and apply those to your marriage. I think he's just oh, trying to talk about how to develop the marriage relationship. Yeah. All right. One last one. Uh, Tom says, converse with your wife. You may have had a long, rough day, but you still must ta- take time to mm-hmm. for your wife. Take time to talk with her every day. Make a regular phone call to her. And in your conversations, do more listening than talking. Now, as for me, I think it's very <laughs> wise advice. Uh, I think uh, you know a lot of guys are a little quieter uh, when it comes to intimate conversation, uh, not so open about sharing their thoughts and feelings. Um, I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, I, I think there's some danger to that for a man to be an, a non-open book. Um, I think I think a man should be more of an open book, especially with his wife. Transparency. Yeah, I think talking to my wife, you know, listening to her communication is extremely important and uh having that time for us to talk and just share um is is extremely important. And uh and, and I think with guys in general, look, most guys I know are the same. You know, we listen for about 5 minutes and then we go into how we're going to correct or fix this <laughs> Absolutely. problem mode. And uh, there's a really funny video out there. Have you guys seen the um, the nail video? Yes. The husband and the wife talking, and the wife has the nail on her forehead, and it's a funny interaction um, between uh, yeah, a man and a woman. The differences between the two. Maybe we can put those in the show notes. It's kind of a funny video that yeah, just highlights the differences. But I think that's important. I mean, again, yeah. communication, spending time together. 
um, listening to one another um, is, is extremely important in marriage. Amen. Well, let me close out with what he said. Just think it's a very good ending. He says, pastors, many times you get too busy for your wives. You are treading on thin ice. And by the way, we do have a lot of pastors listening to the show. This is just generally good counsel for husbands and, and people in the church that are church leaders and, and even just people in the church generally. So when I say pastors, I, I could easily say husbands here. Many times you get too busy for your wives. You are treading on thin ice. Every pastor or husband I know who has had an affair never expected it to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Love your wives, cherish your wives, and do everything you can to affair-proof your marriage. Well, and, and that, that is a great segue uh, into kind of what I brought for tonight, which is just From talking— marriage to marriage. Yeah, marriage to marriage. Uh, talking about—essentially, um, kind of my title was just Advice for the Marriage in Trouble. And we, we won't spend a lot of time on this, because I think a lot of what we've been talking about here uh, with the um, advice for affair-proofing your marriage will yeah. go along. But essentially, I read a Gospel Coalition article. We'll have it in the show notes. Um, but uh, it's called – the title of it was Help, I Married the Wrong Person. Uh, and uh, Courtney Reising, uh, Reisig uh, wrote this, um, a female, talking about mm-hmm. um, essentially just kind of going through uh, when you uh, become convinced that you married the wrong person, look to get out of the marriage, um, and uh, why that is – you know why the true answer is you didn't marry the wrong person, the sovereignty of God, and that uh, she talks about that uh, when she's great quote here when Jesus defended marriage in the New Testament, he did not do so in the name of love or compatibility, but on the basis of God's authority over marriage. We believe in the earthly permanence of marriage because we know that God has joined this particular man with this particular woman. So she's talking about how sometimes you get into that, you get in that. You know, you, you marry this person, I'm going to be with them forever, I love this person, and then life comes, and it mm-hmm. gets real. And, <laughs> and you, it will. You find out, you know, they're not perfect like yeah. you thought they were, and the marriage hits the rocks. And maybe she, she talked about how with Facebook now and Twitter, it's easy to, to reconnect with people maybe you went to high school mm-hmm. with or college with, and all of a sudden your mind starts going, oh, I should have married them. I should have married that person. I, you know, I married the wrong one. And then maybe you let yourself go even further, try to reconnect with people or just get out of the marriage. Now, pastorally, I've counseled several people going through a divorce based on either them or their spouse saying, I'm just not happy anymore. You know, I'm not happy in this marriage. And I love this quote that Jesus defended marriage on not the name of love or compatibility, but on the basis of God's authority over mm-hmm. marriage. And, and I will say, I know divorce, look, my parents were divorced. Um, divorce is something that I, almost, I'm sure every listener has touched them in their life mm-hmm. in some in some way, but I think, and Nick, you you comment here. I think the church has grown a little soft in this area. Mm-hmm. I think um, out of fear of offense mm-hmm. of people, that the church doesn't take as hard of a stance as they probably should on divorce. It's become very palatable, acceptable in churches that. You divorce, and divorce, for many reasons, is approved. Yeah, it's it's a it's a scary trend, and there's a couple of. I actually thought about this a little bit. Um, this made me think back to the episode I missed, but got to listen to when the general was on. But you guys were talking, discussing, debating, arguing about oh yeah, the, cohabitating, uh, couples, cohabitating couples, and yeah. 
you know, it, it's that, well, let's live together to see if it works out. And then let's get married, and then all of a sudden the marriage isn't even diff- is still different than the cohabitation, and and it's just marriage has become such a flippant thing that it's just we we don't have a biblical view of marriage even inside the church, and that that scares me to death. And I just yeah. I, I love you know first of all um, being the good Armenian on the show. Um, this has to be easier for the Calvinists because you can't marry the wrong person. Um, <laughs> so um, you, you can't get out of it. But, you know, joking, joking aside, um, it, it is difficult because I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a right and wrong person in terms of um, you get an excuse to not make it work. You're, yeah. you're, two, you're two sinners um, trying to, to live together um, – imperfect lives anyway how how in the world do you figure you're going to be um yeah. and you you know i don't know um i think the social media thing that you you brought up is tricky it i don't think it has to be an issue but um it certainly doesn't make life easier no and, and you know where i'm coming from and by the way i i don't think that i don't buy into there's only one perfect person for everyone out there um, I, I honestly think that okay. I'm gonna call flag on the plane in a second. No, hang on a second. This is this is part where I'm. You know, I don't think there's one perfect person out there for everyone. I think in God's sovereignty, I married who I was supposed to marry. But 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 no. Here here's right, what I'm, I'm saying. It, here's I'm, what I'm saying. I'm letting it go to let you. Here's make what I'm point. saying. I think there are many people I would have been compatible with. Okay. I think there's many people out there my wife could have been compatible with. I don't think she was the only person in the world that I could have made a marriage with. I don't think I'm the only person in the world she could have made a marriage with. I do. There's believe, always Tony Stark. I do. <laughs> yeah, she is an Iron Man fan. I do believe, though, that I married who I was supposed to marry. So, yeah. uh, But um, this is the thing. Chase, do you have any input? I, I don't really see where you're coming from. That's about... That's kind of a lame comment. Yeah. What do you think, Nick? I mean... All right, well, you don't yeah. talk for a while, Chase. All right, so I think that, um, you know, he, he, here's where I'm going about the being soft in the church. I, I think, I don't know that we tell new couples up front enough that, look, this is it, biblically. You're, you're, you're in this. This is the oh, person yeah. you're going to be married to from now on. And biblically speaking, if you get a divorce on some basis like you're just not happy anymore, biblically speaking, you shouldn't remarry again. You no, should you stay shouldn't. single. No, you and, and, and I think that um, there's not enough. I, I think so many couples out there just kind of have that thought of, if I'm not happy I can move on. I can find yeah. someone else. I can go to a different. I can go to a different. Uh, get into a different relationship, and um, you know, uh, she quotes in the article Gary Thomas, uh, who said the purpose of marriage um, is to make you holy, not happy, um, and just talks about the ultimate goal of marriage. Uh, part of that is to make us more like Jesus, not to make us. Not to make us happy, you know. Happiness is is we put that up on a pedestal as yeah. uh, you know an idolatry, and uh, you know I want to be happy at all cost. And, and you know where I'm going pastorally is this: I think 
we should we are called by scripture to fight for our marriages. I think husbands Amen. should fight for our marriages. I think wives should fight for your marriages. And I believe that for two people who truly love Jesus, I'm not saying they problems aren't real, difficulties aren't actually there, but I think there is a way to save the marriage if you are willing to fight for it. And you know what? Maybe go through a year or two or more of some unhappiness to get to the end to be obedient in that marriage. And I think God blesses that. I know many couples who have done that. I know many couples who've went through counseling and separations and difficult times, Mm -hmm. but have pushed through, stayed with it, and found on the other side victory. Yeah. Rather than cutting ties and saying, well, I'm going to go start it off with someone. You know, I'm going to start anew with someone else. Well, and that's that's a, that's a, such a – that's the thing I don't I, – in, in, in God's grace, you know, my wife and I have been together for almost 12 years. And, um, you know, hopefully I don't see that changing. But I don't understand how the idea of, um, you know, marry this person that I, I couldn't live without um, – and whatever happened happened to separate us. I'm not talking about tragic loss. I'm not talking about infidelity. I'm talking about we just grew apart. Yeah. How how do you if if you know that trend and you know the passion you had for this person and you know life? Okay, let's take a football team. You love them until they lose. That up and down of life. Um, if if you don't see how that ebbs and flows in these other things, and how do you how do you think that's going to change in your next? Marriage. Exactly. It's, um, it's not. I, I'm confused. With, I do want to ask this. Were you and, and Allison um, – uh, for, for those who – you know, we, we talk about being in the deep south. Everyone in the south pretty much is a Christian. So when I asked David this clarifying question, I hope you understand. But were you all converted believers when you all got married? That's a great question. Um, I, I wish my wife could answer this for herself. Um, I – would say that I was, although okay. when we got married, I was not walking a path with Christ at that okay. at that right. time. I, my wife, I am not sure how she would articulate that. She she grew up in church. I'm not sure if she would say she was converted at that time or not. Did you all do any kind of pastoral counseling? <laughs> we did, uh, but it was more of a formality, and it was not with an individual who really spoke a lot of truth into us. Well, see, that's where Lisa and I were. Um, We were, you know, her and I were in ministry um, roles in small scale um, in the church we served at. We both, um, she worked at the the school attached to the church. I I did media and and all this other stuff. And, you know, we were that good Christian couple that had met in the youth group and grown up together. And they were just going to be happy. There wasn't going to, you know, they they already knew it. And, and, and this is not a disservice to the to the pastors who did the counseling because we knew all the right answers, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it was it was it, the questions were easy, and yeah. we knew the answer, so it was cheating. But but it felt a little bit more like formality for us as well. And I I wish we had had. And we had a couple of people, but I wish we had more people in our business yeah. walking it out with us. And so that's where I'll take a step back and, and, and you know, to, to kind of borrow this this metaphor from Courtney. I don't know that you can marry the right person. I don't know that you can marry the wrong person. You marry a person and you, and you make a commitment to them. And I think the best thing a couple can do is surround themselves with believers who are committed to their walk with Christ and their their relationship with their spouse. We have a young couple in our fellowship, um, family member of yours, who's um, – they're engaged right now. And, you know, 
I've had a closer relationship with them at times, but you know, there are times just, you know, kind of that still small voice leading the Holy spirit. I just kind of push him and, and prod him and encourage him and let him know, Hey bro, first of all, I'm watching and it's big boy school now. And, yeah. um, you know, I was joking with him. I said, but if you, if, you know what I'm going to do if you, if you break her heart, right? He's like, you're going to break me. I said, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. But, but I also, I also then hugged him. And I said, look, bro, you've got a lot of good right now. There's a lot of other things. I said, please come and talk to me. And, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to edify me. I'm saying, I, I wish I'd had more of that because yeah. we were that good couple that was just supposed to make it. And you can't make that assumption about the people around you. And so to the couple who, don't be afraid to admit, hey, we need some help. We're, yeah. But but open up your eyes to the to the people around you too, and and don't jump in their business. Don't make it you know Jerry Springer or anything. But but your people who are your friends don't just assume everything's okay. I think older couples should, and I say older couples. That's I mean couples have been married for a while, have strong yeah. marriages. I think they should look for young couples in their church, yeah. either newly married or getting ready to get married, and try to form a relationship with them. Try to invite them over for dinner. Try to make inroads with them because so many times I think young couples think, look, you know, we're going to live on love. We're fine. I mean, you know, sure we, you we and, and, and they don't know to ask for help. They don't know to ask for counseling because they don't realize it's going to get rocky on down the road. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is for us older couples who who understand the dynamics that are coming to 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 look at you know say I want to try to make an investment there mm-hmm. and like you know maybe invite them over look to do some some spend some time with them and maybe help um, have a place to speak into their life that ultimately pastorally this is what I would say to any any couple who is maybe struggling and hey marriage is is rocky right now um, and you love Jesus you follow him it what we did in marriage was a covenant. Not a mm-hmm. contract. If you're Amen. in a con- if you're in a contract, essentially it's uh, if this person doesn't live up to their end of the bargain, I've got an out. Covenant, my version of their end of the bargain. My For, version yeah. of it, exactly. <laughs> what I think it should be. Right. Covenant is when you stood before them and God, and you made a covenant promise mm-hmm. to not just that person, but also to God. And you're staying in the marriage is an obedience issue to Him, and and it is, uh, you know, it's. Not always going to be the easiest thing, but uh, I love that Diedrich Bonhoeffer had a quote um, that uh, supposedly he gave at a wedding one time. And I just love it. He said, it, from, from this point on, it is not your love that sustains the marriage. It is the marriage that sustains the love. Ooh. The covenant promise that you made in that moment will get you through those times where you don't feel happy or you don't feel loving. People will say, well, they're not the person I married. No, they're not going to be. I'm not the person I was five years ago. I'm not the person, you know, I won't be the same person five years from now. I'm going to change. My spouse is going to change. The covenant remains. Mm -hmm. You're going to be happy sometimes, not happy sometimes. You're going to feel in love sometimes, not feel in love sometimes. The covenant will be there, the covenant promise you made. Well, and you hit on, I think you may have done it from the article, but you hit on the social media thing. um, And I think the article that that Captain brought – speaks to this well cuz you're going to grow, you're going to change in life. Don't don't expect to stay the same. It, it's not possible yeah. just because life is going to push you along. Um and and you're going to grow with someone or something. Yeah. And 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 you have to choose to grow with your spouse. And if you grow with them 
it, that you're encouraging them that you know you're working together you're going to become more inseparable yeah but if you all grow and you grow into distinctly different people with no connection i mean that's a good point how do, how do you yeah, expect that's great that's great um I, I do have a a a lighthearted joke to kind of try to end this on and I'll let you wrap it up. But, um, I want to ask you guys about your first married fight. So, you know, um, now, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to step back. Um, you know, we, we follow the, the non, um, general, uh, show path, you know, dated, engaged, um, married, then moved in, you know, post honeymoon. Um, so, you know, when was your first married fight captain? Um, when was your first, Okay. Well, um, <laughs> that's good. That was good. What about you? I can't Dave? believe you did that, Chase. Oh, wow. I can. Really? That's true. I can see yeah. him doing it. You know, I'm sitting here trying to think. Um, first married fight. Uh, you know, it's not popping into my head right away. I I believe the first one that I remember was at Christmas. We got married in August. The first one I remember was at Christmas of that year. Now, we probably had one before then, but this is just the one that pops in my mind because it was kind of a doozy. And it was something to do over um, the opening of Christmas presents and when we we were going to open them. Yeah, because we still were in that time of um, like going to family on Christmas morning because we were newlyweds. And Mm -hmm. so we, we were still kind of expected to be at parents' house on Christmas morning and all this. And so I think it was a fight over when we would open our Christmas presents. That's 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 the first one I remember. I see. I I asked the question then couldn't really remember. I, I remember, um, and this wasn't the first, first major fight, but, um, just over cultural, Expectations over over time and emphasis. Oh, in that's marriage. right. Because you married a foreigner. Really, really. You're going to do that. It was. You a, know how much trouble you're going to get me in for a, this. It was a Yankee. Oh, joke. I know what it was, <laughs> and I'm trying to move past it very quickly. <laughs> but just you know, culture tells you that expectations for time and um, you know your wife's not going to be happy about this, and you're going to ex- you know you're and just kind of an assumption and and realizing that. First time of many that I'm an idiot and I was wrong. So, uh, friend of the show, John uh, Talley, <laughs> uh, and his lovely bride, and their first fight, he shared this a lot, so I think it'd be okay. I hope, John. But, anyways, f- their first fight came when, uh, Ann made you're him, not going to tell. Made oh, him, you're not. And made him cornbread. And, uh, he ate it and suggested that she call his mom and get her recipe. How long uh, was it before Ann made cornbread for John again? I think 13 years. Yeah. There you go. All right. So. On the, uh, in the show notes, check out an article. Um, I'm going to get Nick to play some two links to the Equipping Center, which is a site, uh, equippingcenter.org, that we put, post some articles and blogs to from time to time. When uh, they will make it to the gospelfriends.com is. When I say from time to time, I literally mean from time to time. But there's an article out there in two parts called 12 Myths. Myths that end the marriage. Myths? myths. What is Mrs.? I don't know. Twelve myths. Myth. Not Mrs.'s, because that goes back to Captain's article. But uh, <laughs> twelve myths that end a marriage, written by Sam Knowles, who's co-hosted for us yep. before, and is one of the article. best articles uh, on uh, dealing with this subject that I've ever read. So check that out in the show yep. notes. Um, I was trying to get ahead of the show notes jokes about how long it took me to get. Chase, stop interrupting. <laughs> Look, I we mean, are conversing. Yeah, he's very. It's being rude tonight. It's because it's so late. Uh, look, it, it must be the timing. Um, so I, I, you know, we'll we'll kind of 
turn a, a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, vocation and, and marriage go hand in hand, and um, you'll see that a little bit as we talk about this. But um, last week I, I talked about the um, ten bad reasons uh, to, to be a pastor, and it, it just kind of got me thinking um, about bivocational ministry. Um, because I, I actually have a conspiracy theory that it's going to become more the norm um, than it is. I, I think the the day of the career pastor is, is coming to an end, and um, I think it was Tony Vance. Um, kind of breaks my heart. Well, but I, I'll I'll kind of exp- you know I'll, I'll dive into the reasons for that in a little bit. But Tony posted um, an article in the Hall. I mean, I don't have it pulled up. I apologize. Go go check it out there. But it was just talking about the. Um, the, oh, here it is. The trends in pastor and church staff compensation um, and how there is just a drastic divide um, in in the, the compensations. And then the interesting uh, expectations in terms of, you know, elder board not, – not elder boards like we think of, but like deacon boards on what the, minis- the music minister will and won't sing and uh, how and stuff no, like that. I read, I read that post in the Hall of Dogma. Um, yeah. And it just it got me to thinking about vocational versus bivocational ministry. So what we say what we mean when we say vocational ministry is pastors who that is their only job, it's mm-hmm. their only source of income for for them. Uh, maybe they have a, a spouse that has some type of um, either church or, or secular job, but their job is to be a pastor. Versus um, the three guys here um, who are in bivocational ministry. My my ministry um, is a lot of um, service in a, in a more of a deacon like role. Um, acts deacon, not typical church board. Um, run the pastor out of town, Deacon, um, where you guys are pastoral by vocational ministry. But all of us three have some other type of job. Now, Chase's jobs is seminary and, and teaching and things like yeah. that, but it's not all pastoral for our local congregation. Yeah. Um, me and you work for a, uh, a bank um, here. And so just kind of talk about that um, struggle, yeah. <laughs> as it were, desire, um, and kind of how that works out for you. Chase, do you mind if I go first? All right, thanks. Uh, you know, I think, uh, and I mentioned this in the Hall of Dogma on, um, I think it was Jeremiah Martin's post, um, asking, because uh, there were kind of three conversations going on, I think, in the Hall of Dogma this week about this subject. But uh, um, <laughs> Multiple I, conversations in the Hall of Dogma. Look, I have, I have been um, in bivocational pastoral ministry now for, um, I think this is my ninth year. Um, I used to say I was going to be a pastor when I was six, seven years old. Um, in, my, in my teen years, early 20s, I really got away from the Lord and was not walking with Christ. And um, coming back by His grace to repentance in my, I guess, mid-20s or so, uh, I began to feel a call to ministry again, which I, I kind of thought was past. But uh, praise God, Romans 11, uh, I think 29, talks about the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. And uh, so, praise God for His grace, and started feeling called into ministry. Is that it? Point to you. Yes. So, um, the uh, um, God opened a door for me to uh, actually come on staff at the Hall of Dogma Church as a church as a children's pastor. And since that time, I've served in this fellowship as a youth pastor, pastor to families, (laughs) and now uh, teaching pastor. More and more responsibilities with each of those roles. And uh, you I know, think one time you're even the patsy. Uh, we, we, no, <laughs> I was not. But uh, the um, <laughs> the uh, inside joke. There's going to be questions about that. Yeah. The uh, but here's the thing. I've always desired to be 
quote unquote invocational right. pastoral ministry. I've always desired that, partly out of a desire to, quite honestly, just have a little bit more time. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, if you're in bivocational ministry, you know it's hectic. You know, mm-hmm. you're you usually most time you have a family, you're working full time, and you're trying to be a pastor, and it sometimes seems like you get to do less of what you want to do in pastoring right. and more of uh, what you don't want to do. And so the struggle there is very real. Um, it's a very difficult situation a lot of times. And so I've deeply desired that. And to this you know, this day, nine years later, uh, every door that I've tried to walk through personally uh, to move into something else in terms of full-time ministry, you know, it seems like God has closed that door and, and not opened another one. I struggled with that for a long time. Love my church. Love the Hall of Dogma Church. Love the people. Sure. Love how good they've been to my family. You better um, love pastoring here, um, but you know have still have had have always had that desire. But uh, you know what I've learned, and I, I mentioned this in the Hall of Dogma. I, I've just I think God has shown me that at one point I probably had an unhealthy desire to yep. be a full time pastor. Um, probably thinking that that was going to be the a way to satisfy mm-hmm. something in me, satisfy my heart, and and truly that's a can be idolatrous, only he can mm-hmm. satisfy. I've learned perseverance, and I've learned that uh, perseverance in prayer, uh, and I've learned that um, I've learned to trust God with what what comes. You know, in other yeah. words, I, I think he's brought me to a place now where I can, I'm just going to serve where I am as hard as I can, um, um, in, in, you know, as much as I'm able while working and, and taking care of my family. And I trust that if he has that for me, and this is where you know being a sovereignty guy this kicks in because other people would say, "Well, you go out, and, you know, God wants you to go out and make that happen." But for me, being a sovereignty guy, it's uh, you know I trust that that He can bring me those open doors if and when He chooses. And uh, you know, it seems like according to some of the teachings of Jesus that the reward for faithful work is more faithful work. And so I'm trying <laughs> to be faithful where I am, um, minister and love the people where I am. And uh, we'll see what God has, you know, in the, in, yeah. in, and he's really, look, he has been very gracious to me. He has opened so many doors for me to teach, to do ministry, to do things, to be around people. Look, doing this podcast, I, this is, this has been an, a tremendous experience. I mm-hmm. hope it grows um, in terms of experience and, and being able to see some fruit born from this. Right. And you know what? If I had went somewhere else two, three years ago, I wouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. So there, there are things that endures that God has has allowed to open, and so just learning to trust um, Him in that has helped me tremendously. The desire is still there, but we'll see what God ever you know if what God chooses to do with it. I'm much more okay with that than I was, I'd say five years ago. Yeah, I, I'm admittedly, and we've we've joked about it and and legitimately talked about it on the show, but I I am a contrarian, um, admittedly, um, and so part of this is fueled by that. But I you know growing up there was just such a you know, I, I went to a, a bona fide mega church, and we had eight or ten pastors on staff with however many support staff and a bookkeeper and a this and a that. And I just I understand the need for it in, in some instances. And I think there are some churches that do large church very, very well. Um, but but there's such a disconnect in some of the, that execution um, than what I think you see in the New Testament. I, I, I think when you when you see celebrity pastors oh, yeah. that yeah. are they're up there 
and they come out to do their sermon and they walk away. That to me is just contrary to what what you see. Um, you know, obviously in, in the first century, you see the elders appointing deacons so that they could worry about teaching. I don't think that was in any way to separate from the people, and I don't think that's what you see. I think it's so that they could focus on the spiritual needs of the people more, not from a distance, but just focus on that need. So I have no problem with vocational ministry, none at all. But I I think people who want to be in ministry set it up for themselves to such a holy grail that they want that more than they want the gospel for people. Yes. And that concerns me. Yes. Um, You know, I I, I recently um, had the – Good fortune, the blessing of being able to to, to speak at a um, a ministry retreat, and um, you know the 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 topic I was asked to speak about is not my strongest area of spiritual discipline, and you know I went in there with all the right words to say yeah. about it because it was it was about study and you know the word interprets the word and all this and so what right do I have to say? And people kept going, why do you study? And in, in, in the Holy Spirit, just it was gut punch because, well, I, I studied because I want to be, you know, Mr. Church leader man. And that's, you know, I usually end up studying. It's not that I don't love. Which God's is not life. actually a paid position in the uh, dogma church, Mr. Church leader man. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'll study um, for, the, for the things I have going on. I'll study to win um, good natured theological, mostly good natured theological. But, you know. I don't just study because of my love for the word. And that was insanely convicting. Um, you know, talking with you about, you know, that struggle of youth by, by vocational ministry. I've got another brother that, um, spiritual brother that I, I love dearly who um, just wants with everything in him um, to be a pastor one day. And, you know, he just doesn't see himself as able because he doesn't have a seminary degree and nobody. And I just, that mentality just burns me up. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't see, and, and I know it's trite and blah blah blah. But you don't see any of the apostles with a ministry degree. You don't. They didn't need a doctorate from a, a seminary and stuff like that. I, I'm not in any way opposed to training and showing your studying to show yourself approved. I, I'm not trying to minimize any of that. But there's there's just this. I feel like we've made a class system when it comes to ministry ability and calling um, that just troubles me. And so that's where I yeah I get hung up on it. We've created a little bit of that culture, I think what you're saying. We've, yeah. we've created this Christendom um, church culture that, uh, you know, and again, I mean, look, there's some of us a practical purpose. Yeah. You know, th- th- we record this podcast when we can find time to record it, right. you know. I mean, it's, uh, as we speak, 1220 a.m., and I think um, at least both of us have to be up at um, – we really got to talk about this. So, you know, I mean, you know, so th- there's some of this like, like it's just like practical. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to be careful that you're not looking at what we've created as quote unquote success. So mm-hmm. the successful churches are seen as the ones that have the most park, uh, most cars in the parking lot right. on Sunday morning, or the successful pastor is the one that has the most people listening, or certainly. People see the vocational pastors as more successful than the right. bivocational. We've kind of created this Christendom church culture that's often a lot like a corporation. Well, if you it, want to be a senior pastor one day, you need to start off being a, a youth pastor, oh, and then you can then the you can work ranks. yourself through the ranks. You oh. know, and and, and and look, and I'm a guy who's taken several different positions, mm-hmm. but again, it seemed at the time that each one of those positions was the one God was pointing me toward. Mm-hmm. You just have to be careful of 
kind of getting into that mentality. And I, that's, I think what you're saying is what I was saying earlier, which is sure. I think God's had to kind of show me through perseverance that, you know, hey, it, it, again, not that he's against that vocational ministry position, not that he won't ever open that door for you or I, either one, but there's right now this, no, this is where I have you. It's not yeah. all about these things that you're making it out to be. And, um, you know, there may be times suffer for the gospel, suffer for that for what you're doing, but there's great re- rewards in it. And um, learn to persevere, love, learn to be joyful and content where you are, where mm-hmm. I have you, serve as hard as you can. Yeah, I'm a big Great Commission guy, and I'll, I'll wrap this piece up on that. I'm a, I'm a big Great Commission guy. You know, I, I push um, different ministries that I have the ability to have a say in here on this that um, – we're, we're outward focused. We go into all the world. Um, we don't. We don't try to get the world to come to us. Oh, um, we don't try to get the world to come to us. We we are called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And um, with with pastors and things like that, bivocational ministry. The, the encouragement, I guess, I want to kind of leave on is. Um, I'd, I'd love nothing more than to get paid full time to to do the types of things um, that I get to do uh, for the Hall of Dogma Church um, and just make those those parts of the church excellent um, with a full time job type of time to devote to it. Um, but the job I have now, um, I, I have made some very good um, deep connections with um, people that working in an office in a church would never enable me. Yeah. to have relationship with. Um, some of them have been brothers that I've been able to strengthen them. They've been able to strengthen me. And some of them have been unbelievers that um, have told me, hey, you know, it, it was nice to meet a, a Christian with a different mentality. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because they got to see me be a moron, and they, they got to see, in God's grace, me have to repent of that. And it was hard um, but don't discount where God has you and why. Because if you're called to ministry especially, look around at the mission field that's right around yes. you. Look, and, and if you see yourself as a shepherd, look at the flock of people that yeah. you may be called to tend right where you're at. And I, and I, I can't stress that enough because you know if you get honed in on the other – you, you may miss a huge blessing that that's right in, in front of you. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you know if if we have any ministers in any capacity, vocational, bivocational, or aspiring, um, hit us up on on the Twitter. Um, I'll say it once for Emmanuel, or you know, post in the Hall of Dogma. Let's let's talk about that stuff, and also um, kind of going back into the to the other articles, whether it be um, you know pastoral encouragement um, in terms of marriage or. You know, kind of practical. Um, if you want to share those stories as a, as a matter of encouragement, um, we, we'd love we'd love to hear them. Um, and and as we've mentioned before, if if we can pray for you, um, you know, we're, there's nothing special about any of the three of us, but we're three guys who would love to pray for you if you'd like us to hit us up um, in any of those methods. And obviously, the Gospel Friends at Gmail dot com if you if you'd like some discretion um, there. So awesome, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said there at the end. It's very wise. Don't miss the people and the places in this season that you're in looking forward to a season that you hope to get to one day. Uh, Let's get into some listener feedback. Nicholas and Chase. Chase. uh, You want to take the first one, bud? You want to get this first one? All right. Uh, That was a good one. We loved hearing from them on the Twitter. Uh, We also heard this week from, uh, I think, a new listener for the first time, I believe, Dalton Blankenship. 
at mom is now tweeting. Uh, <laughs> I love <laughs> I saw that. The name. I That's didn't awesome. See the uh, she says, "What a joy to be able to enjoy laughter with." Quote, preacher folk, great show, number 19, I'm hooked, gospel like Jesus would do it today. I would like to think that uh, if Jesus would was here today, that he would come sit and do this podcast That would be awesome. Although Jesus is here today, but... We're going to do this right now. I don't You just so. admitted what time it was. I don't have right. the... All right. I'm just going to go with the at Antona Hill, I believe, A-N-T-O-N-A Hill. Schmucky um, McShuck, schmuck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you for messing with that. In which I give a shout out to at my gospel friends, the hashtag atheist edited show with the hashtag devout atheist. Yeah. So this is a guy who um, is an atheist and and he's contacted us a couple times and has apparently watched uh, or excuse me, listened to some of our podcasts and has actually asked us to come on his atheist edited show. Good fun. Um, and uh, I have not really had an opportunity to watch some of his show. He did warn me about, he said, we got some language. Okay. Um, so I haven't really watched it yet. I, this is one of those things where I almost feel like I need to adopt because I'm assuming, you know, like he wants to have a good conversation, but I'm thinking, you know, probably the fact that one of us, you know, we're Christian, he's an atheist is going to come up at some point. It's, I would imagine. And uh, I, so I'm thinking <laughs> like we need to get like, uh, maybe old Rob Johnson needs to be like a, a knighted uh uh, member of the okay. podcast team okay. for a night, and just invite him to go on as a get get Rob a cape and send him in, you know, something like that. So anyway, we'll we'll see how that works out. Uh, we heard from um, we heard from uh, Jeremiah Martin uh, on Twitter this week. Uh, so apparently, he was quoting Chase from last week, where Chase said, "Let the listener decide," as the Bible says. And uh, so Jeremiah. Uh, hashtag that solid exegesis. Uh, there you go. Pretty sure Chase was uh, being a little tongue in cheek, and and so I think no. Jeremiah is getting it back. Speaking of Jeremiah, I think we have a voicemail to play we from do. him. I I probably Jeremiah is about to tell us a story, um, and uh, I, we <laughs> thank might you wanna, for the story, Jeremiah. This is a. Uh, now he said he didn't think we'd put it on the air, but uh, we took that as a dare. Yeah, and so, so it's going on. But uh, I triple dog dare you. This might get us a. PG, we might do this, um, what, PG-13 here? Yeah, I'll, I'll go just on the conservative side, PG-13. Um, look, he's not going to tell it. It's, this is not dirty or anything like no, that. No, it's, it's not. Just, but it, uh, it, it maybe may a little the, gross. It'll make the stomach turn. And so yeah. if you've got young kids listening, hey, divert their attention. Hey, to listen this. to it first, and then you can decide you if, if they want to hear it. Here, right. Let's see what Jeremiah has to say. Do I have to listen to it again? Yes. That's All good. right. Hey guys, this is Jeremiah Martin at Jeremiah D. Martin on Twitter and uh, fighting mongooses in our fantasy football league. So I'll get to that in a minute. Um, a couple weeks ago, you guys did a story about a human flesh flavored burger. And um, weirdly enough, it reminded me of a story. I meant to call in last week, completely slipped my mind. But anyway, um, First and foremost, I think that most of you guys know that um, I've, uh, I was in the Army, and uh, if I knew that I was going to be telling a military story, this would probably be the last one that I would have expected to be telling. But anyway, um, I was deployed uh, 2012 to 2013 in Kuwait and Jordan, and uh, while I was in Kuwait, I was asked to attend a leadership course there. And one of the one of the sergeants I was taking the course with, guy I'd never met before, we're in class one day, and he tells the story of 
that he had a friend that worked in a funeral home and um they they decided to cut a piece of flesh off of someone and um and grill it up and try it um needless to say everyone in the class was mortified like that is unethical illegal wrong on so many levels anyway like i said weird story um just reminded me of that and honestly probably not going to make it to the air but at the very least i thought that you guys would appreciate it but moving on to fantasy football still a little peeved that i got knocked from my number one spot but it's all right it'll be all over uh It'll all work out in the end. So anyway, thanks, guys. Um, love the show. Love the encouragement. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. Thanks. Bye. You know, if they just had some of that Italian beer spread, uh, probably shouldn't have done that a little, little much. How do you know when it's done? What's your point of reference? I, I don't know. Because I'm thinking – I mean, is it, are you looking for like a steak or is it more like bacon? <laughs> I'm sure this is all types of levels of inappropriate. Um, Jeremiah, we'd just like to thank you for the story and also for dragging us into the ditch because, I mean, we certainly need. Look, we were going to be there eventually. We certainly need help. How to, uh, we certainly need help. Um, anyway, let's move on. To, uh, Ryan at Salaboom no Head. Nothing uh, about football? You're oh, just yeah. trying to get away as quickly as humanly well, look, possible. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not. Uh, I'm not. Look, the fighting mongooses are having a pretty good season in the uh, Gospel Friends Fantasy Football League. Funny, and uh, um, so I am the guy who left uh, D. Thomas on the bench this past week. Although I ended up, I did win. I did. I did beat Nate. So I'm, I well, think I'm. I'm two glad two for or three you. Two, so. Uh, Ryan at Salaboomhead said, uh, I have to admit, being a Canadian, I've enjoyed the global segment. However, next time I shall not listen to your podcast while eating chicken like I did this time. <laughs> I think that was after the uh, chicken, uh, frozen chicken melting all over the parking lot story. But I imagine, uh, Ryan, that if you were eating absolutely anything during this show, you probably. <laughs> if you made it to this part, you, you're done now. All right, um, Chris Land at J. Chris Land listening to at my gospel friends talking about a girl having a hairball in her stomach. Thanks, guys. Now I feel sick. So I'm going to go hashtag ditto to Chris what I just said to Ryan. So I imagine <laughs> we're going to get um, the label don't listen to these guys while you're eating lunch or dinner or anything. Or like drinking that. Diet Mountain Dew. Yeah. To that in a minute. Uh, let there be movies said. Uh, he only picks up a southern twang from David. Chase and Nick are pretty normal. I've said that for years. Um, at Old Paths God, uh, I don't hear accents. I'm from the south where Jesus lives, and when he talks to me, it's with a draw. <laughs> yeah, I told Old Paths Guy he had moved up to my um, number one listener spot after he came to my pseudo defense. <laughs> Pseudo defense. That's funny. But he also said that uh, episode nineteen, the the first part, was just about his favorite first hour of this first half hour of the show that we've ever done. 
Well, and he wasn't the only one. No, um, he had several people. Well, you know, at my friend, my my dear friend John, um, he texted us today and he said, I wanted to thank you all for a couple of things as I drove to work. Uh, you made me laugh so hard in the first 30 minutes of this podcast that I sprayed – oh, I'm sorry, not Diet Mountain Dew. That's just Norm. Diet Dr. Pepper all over the inside of my car, uh, which was not helped by the fact that half his mouth. Mouth is numb from the dentist. Uh, two, he made a local motorcycle cop laugh after he saw me spray soda inside my car. Good. Sorry, bud. That warms my heart, John. Well, here's here's the fun part. I have I had known John for fifteen or sixteen years. Um, we were in each other's weddings. Um, odd story that I'm not going to explain now. His wife was my prom date. Um, <laughs> and I just lost David. I'm looking um, at the ceiling trying to he figure is this looking out. At the um, just don't try to. Do you too understand hard right that, now. Chase? Would he understand that? Um, yeah, maybe not. And so he was like, "This, you know, oh, what do we say? I can't forget. My mind just went completely blank. It I is don't know. almost he was thirty. He was spitting soda all over his car. Is all I know. I think what he got uh, cracked up about may have been the um, hug chair from Japan, which church member Anon also tweeted us at and said uh, that he didn't know he could get one of those, but he learned it from listening to the Gospel Friends. No, when my mind went blank, there was a joke about, you guys won't put this on the air. I'm like, buddy, I've known you long enough that I don't mind doing <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said, hey, you probably won't put that on the air. But Jeremiah Martin said that as well. So, there you uh, go. We heard from Funky Stick Man. Uh, this uh, this week, also known as Jeff Hendricks, also known as not unlike, uh, not entirely unlike Chip Tune. Wait a minute, why is this? Um, I'm not sure. Is it? Uh, what, what is his? What is his title? What is his? Because uh, we have this in the notes as uh, Funky Stink Man. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> that must have been an edit by uh, our is that, dear. Is that Captain? Uh, why did you do that, Captain? What's the what's the deal, Captain? My Captain. No. Did you find I, it yet? I, I'm looking. Okay. Well, while he looks. I'm going to go ahead and play. Yeah. Play. Play the. Uh, we have a voicemail from Jeff. So let's. Hey let's guys, hear. this is Jeff, aka at Funky Stickman. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out. Hey, uh, just been enjoying the the uh, the Hall of Dogma so much. Having so much fun listening to you guys, and uh, I can tell you guys love what y'all are doing. We love what you're doing. Um, <laughs> just keep doing what you got to do, man. I'm just really, really enjoying it. I was trying to think of something. What did you say? And I just totally came up with nothing. So, um, hey, what's up? Shout out, yo. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Ooh, I almost figured out the music in the background. We were trying to figure it out before the show. It's the same song that plays at the end of one of the Night at the Museum movies. Why would he be watching that in his car? Well, no, no. I'm just saying the song was. In the movie Night at the Museum, where they're all dancing at the end. It's like a, it's an older, maybe 60s song or something. Oh, okay. All right, so anyway, it was good to hear from Jeff, regardless of the music they had in the background. Uh, <laughs> got and, it right and yes, it is funky. Stickman, um, I don't know why we have Stickman in the... I blame the captain. Captain, uh, what do you have to say the, for yourself? In the notes? Well, that, that about sums that up. Yep. Um, but hey, you know, Jeff, if you ever come on the, uh, you know, join the Hall of Dogmas, a superhero, maybe... Stink man might be a. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. I yeah. did. I actually proposed that as Samuels. Oh, well, okay. Never well, mind. Uh, <laughs> all right, you uh, got. We have. Um, we also heard from the general, um, who said, gave us three things he learned from episode 19. 
Number one, the Bible does not mention cats because lions and leopards <laughs> apparently don't count. Kind of a stickler there. Well, look, I thought of that last week, for the record. But Number two, the Gospel Friends kryptonite is Bible trivia. All right. Number three, iPhone 6 is the leading cause of divorce <laughs> among pastors. We should have had that in the How to Affair Proof Your Marriage. Um, <laughs> tell your wife before you buy an iPhone 6 Plus. Tell your wife before. So that was awesome. Um, it, it, Jeff uh, um, Hendricks also... Uh, Posted for us in the uh, the Hall of Dogma uh, this week, um, and he he did talk about the um, being a full time minister versus uh, talked a little bit about you know if you were a bivocational minister did you have do you, you feel a little bit more freedom um, than maybe if you are a full time pastor because mm-hmm. maybe if you you know basically if all your salary comes from the church then do you feel like there's more of an emphasis to have to please people. Versus if you have a, a source of income from somewhere else. So I thought that was actually – I know plenty uh, of vocational ministers. He mentions music specifically here, but on both sides that have struggled with that. I'm not saying they've necessarily all succumbed to it, but it's it's been a struggle for many that I've known. Well, we, we, great discussions this week in the Hall of Dogma. Yep. We always like to highlight some of those. Uh, uh, Jeremiah Martin, who we heard from a moment ago. Um, uh, posted um, also talking about the full-time vocational versus bivocational ministry, uh, some questions uh, regarding that that he had in the hall this week. Uh, James McSorley posted uh, maybe the um, hand grenade of the week in the hall of dogma, which was uh, dealing with uh, the very serious topic of infant salvation. So oh, wow. children um, who pass away, um, babies, infants who pass away, do they go to heaven? And and uh, big discussion in the hall. Everybody civil, giving different points of view and Thank and, you again. and scripture, um, and bringing some of their own personal stories. It was a wow. really great conversation. Uh, Tony Vance uh, posted a question talking about foot washing among Christians today, and and whether or not that is a practice um, in your denomination or church. And so, again, great um, discussions there. And, and, Nick, we heard for the, um, for the first time from Jacob Hatcher mm-hmm. um, this week in the Hall of Dogma. He actually welcome brought up to the a, Hall. Yeah, welcome. And he uh, says he's a new listener, new to the Hall, and he brought a question about pre- and post-trib rapture. And uh, some thoughts on that. So, Jacob, typically for your first post, what we want to go with is a little bit of football, or if football's not your thing, of sports. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe something um, even light, you know, reformed versus, uh, you know, free will, Cal- Arminian. Cal- Coke versus Pepsi. Yeah, easy topics. Um, I mean, Jacob just – Jacob basically, you know, like kicked down the, the really- Hall of Dogma doors – with Is both, it like Kool-Aid? Yeah, both hey, barrels hey, you know. blazing and just said, hey, I'm here, Jeepers. and I'm here for serious stuff. But uh, No, seriously, thank you for for being willing to jump in and feet first, man. And Jacob actually, uh, and I asked him if I could share this, and he said I could. Jacob has a, uh, a son, a little okay. boy that was just born, Hank. Hank was uh, three months, I believe, premature. Oh, wow. And he is in the NICU uh, and um, just needs – 
needs prayers, and I uh, asked Jacob if we could throw that out as a okay. prayer request. He said we could. Specifically, awesome. they're being told that uh, Hank will be in the, the NICU until at least Thanksgiving, so he asked that we would pray for continued growth um, okay. and, and protection there for Hank, and also just for their um, just for their family in general. Okay. Jacob works full-time in retail management. He's also a full-time oh, seminary student and has the now the premature, uh, his, okay. his little boy being premature, so um, all of the uh, Gospel Friends listeners, please pray for Jacob Hatcher and his family and his little boy, and lift them up to the Lord and ask for uh, safety, protection, provision, and grace as they go through this difficult time. Amen to that. And uh, so, uh, Nick, we're going to get out of here tonight with uh, kind of an interesting video. This will be in the show notes. But don't I, me. No, we're gonna let's just Please don't make me. we're gonna watch. Nick and I are going to watch a video, and the and the captain, Captain, can you move over by Nick's laptop? Okay, not not that close. No, back. I'm up not some. a Japanese cheer. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you need a hug, Chase, but just 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 hang on, hang on. So right. we, there's a new reality show, Nick, on the TLC channel, the channel that brings us, by the way, the Duggars, your favorite show. So. That's going to be my label for a long time. Apparently, the name of this show is Preaching Alabama. Now, this is interesting to me. It piqued my interest because, well, we live in Alabama, and I'm a preacher. So I thought, well... (laughs) How did how did these people get a show and I didn't? Uh, so uh, this video for the new reality show is going to be in the show notes. Nick and I and the captain are going to watch it right now, and then we're going to give you some comments to get out of here tonight. All right. It's important that we make a purposeful effort to keep our love alive. I mean, they created a Viagra pill for crying out loud just for that. Oh, praise the Lord. Even in church, sex entices. We're the Spiegel, and we have an unusual family business. We're all preachers. Thank you, Jesus. We're about to take on the impossible. Open a church in the most competitive place in America, the Bible Belt. Back in Florida. I said, are you ready? As a family, we ran a successful church and had a huge congregation. You guys are going to be blessed with abundance. Jesus! But after getting a strong calling from God, we gave up everything we built and are starting from scratch. We packed our bags and moved from Florida to launch a new church in our hometown of Madison, Alabama. This community is well supplied with churches all over the community here. With a church on every corner, we know this is going to be tough. I woke up in cold sweats a few times, thinking I have lost my mind. We invested money, we invested heart, we invested our children, we invested everything that we have. What if nobody wants to follow us? We have sacrificed too much to lose it here. We have no money to put toward the rent. What if we open our doors on Sunday and nobody's there? We could lose everything. I'd like to tell you we figured it all out by now, but we have not. We just know we love people. God gives me peace through my family. And even when I want to kill them, I need them. We have an unusual message. No matter who you are or what you've been through, we welcome you. And we're praying Alabama welcomes us. Amen. I say amen. Amen. Well, all right. Um, so, 
what we apparently have here is a family that had a... Be nice. Right, they had a successful church nice. in Florida. That was the words they used. I, I'm assuming by successful we mean... It seemed it had a decent-sized congregation. People were coming. Uh, nice facilities. They, I mean, they, you know, their tech was I'm, – I'm a gadget guy. Their tech was nice, so that looked to nice, have some money. They had some in-sync mics going, which is – I look – It's in, your preference. I'm, that's my preference. So, uh, so they have – David wanted to be Garth Brooks growing I, up. I don't know what happened to the church, but they've – it, they're not at it anymore. They said they well, walked they, away from it. They said they had a calling. A calling. They said they felt called to go go to the most church place. A challenge. The most competitive church. Got to edit myself. Hold the on. most competitive uh, place for church in America, the Bible Belt, in their hometown, Madison, Alabama, which they, is uh, North Alabama. Beautiful country, by the way. Love. Yeah. I love that area up there. Um, about two hours north of us. They had a challenge. Okay. Now. Uh, and and so, um, they said they'd left everything they built. Um, they built it. Yeah, it's interesting. Let's kind of think of Jesus. I thought Christ built his church, but and I'm an Armenian. What's crap? We might need to be careful here. Uh-huh. Um, so so they're moving now to the ultra competitive northern Alabama. Oh yeah, and it uh, and it is. Look, there are look, a lot of churches up there. You, you joke. People joke about church on every corner. It's no, not the, really. A well, look, there's a church on every corner and every you know half block. You know, yeah, half, half block. You know, twenty yards in between. It's just yeah. like rows of church. So there's a lot up there. A lot up there. And, and you know, good Bible believing churches. I oh, guess. Yeah, I, I love Jesus. Yeah, not trying to. Just a lot of them. So they're moving in, and like the video is all about them. Well, what if no one comes and we've sacrificed everything for this? And uh, it. I mean, there's should, a very there's a very are strong we human host to be competitive. It, it it's like they're trying to the metaphor that is drawn sounds just like if someone was trying to build a business and that that makes me nervous. Here's the the one thing that stood out and look I don't know these people they they probably I mean again I assume they love Jesus and I, I don't really know what they believe or what they're preaching. No, no, of course. Uh, but I will say just the whole thing about we're moving to the ultra competitive Bible Belt, open a church. We have a unique message. This is what they said. Uh, we have a unique message. We uh, love people no matter where they've come from or what they've done, which maybe that's what we should have done, Nick, instead of opening up a church where, you know, we only love you if you, you know, are a saint and have done mostly good. You're about to get me in trouble, David. Oh, because... I'm about to say something I shouldn't say. I just wasn't sure that was a, quite a unique message. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Anyway, look. Hey, you know what they got Here's that we don't have, Nick? A TV show. They're on reality. Well, so that's and that's that will be my commentary on on the way out is just that it's kind of what um, a little bit worries me about the Duggars or even um, Duck Dynasty is that you have a group of people that very much could be God loving, God fearing. Um, Bible believing, Bible teaching people, but that's not what sells on television. And you, they they record eighty hours out of these people's lives and try to condense it into a thirty minute hour long TV show. And and the TV company or the the station, um, <laughs> oh, it's one a.m. Um, the producers are going to edit that. You're exaggerating. It's twelve fifty. I rounded up. Um, they're going to try to com- edit a compelling show out of that, and it just it just makes me nervous, I guess. And so, um, but we'll 
Right, I, I'd like to see it. When it comes we're probably on. we're probably being uh, maybe we're being a little bit too harsh, uh, and it's it's late. But. Hey, Captain, why don't you bring us back? You, you always end with something religious. Why don't why don't you end with something religious? Sounds spiritual, um, and you know something like that. Jesus wept. Okay, uh, that guy has some of the biggest gauges I've ever seen. Oh, the dude with the uh, is that what you call those? The earrings? Yeah, they're gauges. Those aren't earrings. Those are gauges. I don't. You could drive a truck through them. <laughs> they didn't really have to tell me that he was the young adults pastor either. It was either that or the youth pastor. What? wasn't really a lot of options. Look, I just he would scare the children. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> it, se- it seemed it seemed a bit. Uh, I don't know. It seemed a bit people centric, human centric. Look at us. Look what we've sacrificed. Look what we've done. Look what we're trying to do. Being competitive. I mean, how how would you feel if you got one of those churches in North Alabama and here comes this? I mean. TV reality show about opening up a church in North Alabama. I don't know. It just there was some. There's something about that that's off to me. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Now, now look, you know when our reality show, The Gospel Friends Unplugged, comes out on the A and E network in a few weeks, maybe people will be judgmental toward us. But uh, it, I don't know what to say right now. We would make a great reality show, like just our interaction lives. Ooh, that what? carpool you're in in the mornings. That could be a reality show. We have show. joked about that being a beautiful reality show multiple times. You used to be in there. What happened, David? Uh, I wanted to stay friends with everybody. <laughs> of Jesus. Something, <laughs> and it about, makes compelling television. something about taking four testosterone-laden guys at uh, 6 a.m. with uh, – I hadn't had coffee yet. Stick them in a yeah. closed tin can. Tired, no coffee together a lot, going to a place that – Look, we're blessed at the job we have, but we're still going to work. I mean, I'd take, take a bullet for Nick, but I can't ride in carpet with him. Anyway, <laughs> that on that note, <laughs> on that note, thank you for listening to the Gospel Friends, Chase. Thank you for your contribution, and uh, we will see you for episode twenty-one, the "We're Now Legal to Drink" episode <laughs> next week. Good morning.